so far we've been talking about hearing from God. Uh, a couple, three weeks ago, I think we talked about you know how we hear the spoken word of God. You know how do how do we discern that voice? And we talked about how if we really want to live out a life of faith, then we need to be in an interactive, conversational relationship with God. And, and so that was His spoken word to us. And in the last two weeks, we've been talking about the Bible, how God speaks to us through His written word. And, and how do we discern what He's trying to teach us. And both the spoken word and the written word were what we covered. And that's what we focused mainly on Him speaking to us. But this week, we want to discuss how do we speak to Him. The topic of prayer. And like the Bible, we could spend multiple weeks on this because there's so many different avenues we could take. But I'm just going to only be able to cover a couple things uh, in regards to prayer that I think if we apply them, will greatly, hate to use the word enhance, but it will really help our, our prayer life. But when you think about the spectrum of prayer, people are all over the board on it. There are brand new followers of Jesus Christ who, when it comes to prayer, it's it's new to them. It's kind of intimidating. It's, you know, it's kind of weird, like talking to an unseen God. And then there are those who are followers of Jesus who've known Jesus for a long time, and, and prayer is just second nature to them. But wherever you are on the spectrum, when you really take the time to look at prayer and, and, and understand what it is, man, it is not only interesting, it's absolutely amazing. Because we have the privilege to speak to God. And think about it. We are speaking to an unseen God. You, you're speaking to someone you can't see. And, and the world may look at that and go, you're crazy. They probably believe that. But for a follower of Jesus Christ, it, it's just second nature to us. It's, it's, what, it's part of essential living a life of faith is all about. It's, we have to be talking to this unseen one. Because that's what life is all about. And what I want to just kind of start out with us seeing about the area of prayer is that when we actually take the time to pray, true prayer is really a simple act of faith. True prayer is faith in action when you think about it. And, and why do I say that? Here's why. Faith, as you remember our definition, is a belief in the unseen reality of God and in what he is doing. That's what faith is. So faith is acting as if our unseen God were here and, he, and he's working all around us. That's what faith is. So in, in the very act of prayer, you're speaking to this unseen God. You're interacting with him. And that is an act of faith. Because you're acting as if this unseen God were real and that He's at work, and that's why you're talking to Him. So really, true prayer in itself is an act of faith. Now why is that important? Well, here's why. Your true life, I mean your true prayer life, will flow from out of your faith. Your true prayer life will flow from out of your faith. In other words, the amount of faith in your life will directly correspond with how much you're praying in your life. If you don't have much faith in your life, you won't be praying much in your life. But if you're a person with huge amounts of faith, you'll be praying all the time. If you don't really believe in an unseen God at work around you, then you're not going to talk to Him. 
But if you do believe in this unseen God at work around you, you're going to be talking to him all the time. It directly corresponds. And so I'd encourage you at some point, do an internal check in your life and, and see how much of a true prayer life do you have in your life. And the answer to that will reflect on how much faith you have in your life. And it's kind of a sobering thought for most of us when we think about that. Now, if you've noticed, I've been mentioning the words true prayer. True prayer. And the reason I'm saying true prayer is because sometimes Christians can be involved in something that resembles prayer. It kind of looks like it, but in all reality, it's something else. And, and really, what it has to do with who we think our audience is. Let me explain. When it comes to corporate prayer, uh, it's a fancy way of saying praying in a group with other people, so often as human beings, we are more concerned with what we're saying and how we're saying it because of the people listening to us than we are just talking to God. And the minute that happens, our prayer is no longer springing up from our hearts in a conversation with God. Instead, we're crafting our prayer for our seen audience rather than our unseen audience. And you know, that just makes sense for us because we're so used to paying attention to the seen world and not the unseen world that when it comes to prayer, it's naturally where our attention will go. We'll be more focused on the people all around us than we are on God, and we are going to speak accordingly. And consequently, the words that come out of our mouth are more geared at the people than they are God. And that isn't prayer. I don't know exactly what that is, but it isn't prayer. It may look like it, but it's not. Here's kind of an analogy that hopefully maybe gets your head around it. Um, the other day, a friend of mine called me up and says, Hey, Luke, could you help me on a, on a job? I just finished siding a house, and, and I need someone to go back and just kind of touch up little dings and spots that need the paint to go on. He says, and I don't have time to do that. Me and my crew are off somewhere else. If you could just go there and do that. So I'm like, sure, I'd be glad to do that. So I, I went off, and I'm, I'm there working by myself. You know, There were other tradespeople there, but I was by myself in the company. So I'm there, and, and I have this really cool set of headsets that are, are they're Bluetooth. And so I can listen to podcasts, you know, via connected to my, my, my phone and I can just, you know, work and do whatever. But what's really cool about this headset is it connects via phone. Like I can talk on the phone on this headset and not having to be holding my phone. It's pretty sweet. So I'm there working on this job and I'm, you know, touching painting and all this sort of stuff. And all of a sudden my wife calls and she's like, Hey, sweetie, how you doing? And I'm, you know, I'm there working. I'm like, Hey baby doll, what's up girl? And, you know, and she's like, hey, I was just calling to see, would you have time to swing by the grocery store? I'm like, honey, I'll be glad to go anywhere to the grocery store. You want your yogurt and blueberries? I'll be glad to do that. So, How are you doing today? And I'm like, hey, sweetie, little baby cakes. And I'm just talking like that. All of a sudden, a concrete worker comes walking around the corner, and I see him out of the corner of my eye, and I'm like, yeah, so, yeah, that's totally fine. Uh, yeah, I'll, be, I'll be by around five, uh, and I'll pick that up. That's no problem. Yeah, I'll call him. Not a big deal at all. Totally fine. And, and that little experience kind of clued me in a little bit to what prayer, like, prayer is like. Because, you know, it was weird. I got more conscious of the person I could see than I could to the unseen person on the other end of the line. And my words changed accordingly. It's funny, my wife has gotten so used to that now. Because at first she'd be like, what are you, why are you talking like that? What's going on? Why are you da 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 And I'd just like, hey, oh, no, that's fine. Yep, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And now she just goes, somebody's there, aren't they? 
Yeah, okay. But I think so often when praying with others, that can so easily happen to us. We pray more concerned with what the seen audience around us thinks of our prayers than what our unseen God Himself thinks. And it's kind of crazy because it seems to me we've gotten so used to this, we've almost created our own little prayer language. Our prayer styles and the words we like to use in our prayer. And it sounds pretty cool and we impress each other with it and we use it like crazy during our prayer meetings because it sounds impressive. And and what's absolutely crazy about it is we don't really use it in our everyday language. We just reserve it for our prayer time when we're in groups. Like for instance, have you ever heard of the guy who you'll be talking to him, he's like, what's up, bro? Hey, man, it's awesome. What Cool, sweet, awesome. And then you go to pray, and he's like, precious, infinite, almighty, omniscient Father, hearken unto my voice. And they kick into this weird King James English, and you're kind of like, who is this guy? And they do that because it sounds impressive. Or how about this? Have you ever been in, in your prayer times with a group of people? First service hadn't heard of this. Second kind of did, but see where you guys are at. But have you ever heard of the person that goes, Lord, I just echo the prayers of my brothers and sisters. I echo Tom's prayer. I echo Craig's prayer. Just echo, echo, echo. Where the heck do we get echo? Why are we going, hey, 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 God, God, God. We don't echo, but that sounds really cool. So now we hear that and we go, I'm going to use that the next time I pray. So Lord, I just echo John's prayer here, and it sounds awesome. Have you ever have this where you pray for a hedge of protection? Doesn't that sound awesome? I remember the first time I heard that, I'm like, sweet daddy, I'm going to use that. So now I'm praying for hedges of protection all the time. I heard the comedian Tim Hawkins speak about this. He goes, isn't that crazy how we pray for hedges of protection? like the enemy couldn't step over the hedge and still get us. I mean, we should pray for walls of protection. It's crazy. How about this? Have you ever heard the person pray and they give you the whole story in the prayer? Lord, just pray for Tom. He was out walking in the snow and he slipped and broke his meniscus and his tore his ACL and he's in Aurora room 103 with his family right now. And you're kind of like, pretty sure God knows all the details, bro. I don't know why you're telling God that. But they do that in the prayer because it it sounds impressive. Or how about this? Have you ever had this where you're in a prayer group and you say, hey, Craig, would you you mind just opening us up in prayer? And so everybody in the group, we all bow down. And, uh, you know, so we're sitting there and, And so you kind of look like, did he know that I asked him to pray? So you're kind of like, so you just kind of waited out a little longer. And about two minutes later, Lord, we just want to thank you. And eventually they start praying. And why do people do that? Now, I'm just saying some people do it out of good reasons, but a lot of times it seems really impressive to just quiet a heart for two to five minutes while the rest of us wait in agony for them to start praying. Now, I want to be very clear here. None, none of these things are wrong in and of themselves. 
But I fear that so often we speak like this and we say these things because we want to impress the people that we are with. Have you ever noticed too, when you say something really good in a prayer, and the people in the prayer group go, mm, yes, Lord, amen. Mm. And inside you're like, sweet daddy. They, they kind of like that. And so you try to get another one. And when the whole group does it, you're like, oh, that's a good one. And, but we do it to impress people. And guys, that just isn't prayer. We would never talk to each other this way in real life, so why do we do, talk to God this way? For instance, let's say I'm in a group and I'm talking to Kirk and I just want to speak to Kirk, you know, uh, you know, directly to him. I don't say, hearken unto me, Kirk, whithersoever thou goest, I will go with thee. I don't talk like that to Kirk. I don't say to him, Kirk, I just echo what all these people are saying here, man. I just echo that. I don't say that. I don't say, make sure that you put a hedge of protection around yourself when you go to the store. And I don't, I certainly don't go like this, Kirk... Can we meet at 1.30 instead of 2.30? <laughs> I would never do that. Why wouldn't I do that? Because I'm speaking with Kirk, and my words are directed at him, no one else. And guys, that's the way we need to talk to God. And why don't we? Because we're more focused on the seen audience around us than we are the unseen one. And you know, Jesus encountered this in his day. He speaks about it in the Sermon on the Mount. He goes, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. So Jesus is talking about these hypocrites, these pretenders who stand up there and they just pray in front of everyone and they just got these awesome prayers on the street corners. Notice what Jesus says. He goes, they have received their reward in full. Now tell me, Whitestone, what is their reward? Jesus says they got a reward. What is it? They were seen by men. They were heard by, by men. They, they were seen by this crowd and they were heard by this crowd. And guess what? Jesus says, that's your reward. People saw you pray. Cool. People heard you pray. Cool. That's your reward. And what sobers me a bit about this is when I read this, I think about when we pray in a group to impress people, guess what? That will be your reward. We will impress the group. It's like, there you go. That's your reward. You impressed a bunch of people in the prayer group for what you said. But big deal. Who cares what they think? That's not who we should be talking to. That shouldn't be our audience. God should be the unseen God. Now look at what Jesus says here to, to his followers how, in regards to prayer. The very next verse, he goes, But when you do pray, go into your room, or some of your Bibles say the closet, close the door, pray to your Father who is unseen, and then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I love that. Go into your room. Go, in, go into your closet. Close the door so that nobody can see you. You're doing this alone. Nobody knows you're in there. And pray to your Father who is what? 
unseen. You can't see Him. Pray to Him. And then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And let me tell you, Whitestone, His reward is much better than a few comments from some people who were impressed with your fancy words. We'd much rather have a reward from our unseen Heavenly Father than anything this world could give. Amen? Now I'm going to mention this because I think it's important. It kind of ties into this. But one could argue that maybe we shouldn't even have group prayer times. I mean, maybe we shouldn't do, you know, get together as a group and pray. I mean, even Jesus is telling us to go off by ourselves and you know, not do it in front of people. So people could incorrectly come to that conclusion. But here's what I believe Jesus is saying, and I think here's the main point of it all, and an important thing that we all should know. It will be difficult for us to speak with God in public if we haven't spent a lot of time with Him in private. Our conversations with Him in public are going to flow out of our conversations with Him in private. And you see, Jesus wants us to develop a very close and intimate relationship with our unseen Father. And that's only going to come through hours and hours with meeting Him and conversing with Him in secret. In places where nobody else knows about it. Just you and your unseen Father. And when you have done that, when you have developed that kind of relationship, you are going to be able then to speak with Him and directly to Him in a group of three or 3,000. And the only audience you're going to care about is your Heavenly Father. So yeah, group prayer times are great and we should be involved in them. But for us to not get caught up with crafting our prayers for the people all around us, we will have needed to spend time with our Father alone. And those times are precious. And those times are important and they're needed. Now why did I spend so much time on this? Here's why. And here's the main point, and I want you to get this this morning. When you pray, notice I didn't say if you pray, I said when you pray. Make sure. Make sure the only audience you care about is your unseen God. That's who you're talking to. No one else. If you start talking to someone else, that is not prayer. Make sure you're only talking to Him because that is a true prayer of faith. And Whitestone, I'm going to be honest with you, that takes practice. To speak to our unseen God takes practice. So train for it. Now I want to address another aspect of the prayer that I think is very important. And like I said, we could cover a ton of stuff, but here's, we only have time for two. And here's, this, is, this other one is kind of a biggie, I think. But we need to learn how to pray in Jesus' name. Now, what does that even mean? Well, have you ever noticed how we will usually end our prayers? We'll pray a nice long prayer, and then when we come to the end, what do we say? In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, now we might tweak it a little bit and add other cool words in there, but we basically say, in Jesus' name, amen. And we all do it, but a lot of us have no clue why. It's just become kind of a cool way to end a prayer. It's kind of like, and it's kind of become this, it's kind of like, in Jesus' name, goodbye. Or in Jesus' name, I'm hanging up now, God, and I'm going to go on with life. And it's weird because in Jesus' name, amen, means we're shutting this off and we're going to go do something else. But tell me, Whitestone, do we just only have times of prayer? Or what, when should we be praying? 
all the time. We should be in constant communion with our Heavenly Father, moment by moment, always listening to what He wants us to do, what He wants us to say. So when we say, in Jesus' name, amen, see you later, God, I'm going off to do what I'm going to do, we have, we've treated it as something that it's not meant to be treated like that. Now, I want to talk about how we as Christians have started doing that and why we did it in the first place. And here it is. Jesus, on the final night he was with his disciples, before he was arrested, the night he celebrated communion, or celebrated the Passover meal that we're just, we were just celebrating, he told his disciples a bunch of really important things. And among those things, he, he said this. Look at what Jesus said to them multiple times in John. He goes, Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. In that day you will no longer ask me anything. I tell you the truth, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. In that day, you will ask in my name. Now, Jesus clearly was telling his disciples that from here on out, you're to ask for things in my name. Now, why do you think Jesus would tell his disciples that? He's the intercessor. What else? Why, why would we ask in his name? Because there's power in His name. Because His name was the greatest name on this earth. Remember what He told His disciples before the Great Commission? The verse right before that, that, those verses hanging on the wall? He said this. It says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me. And then He goes into the Great Commission. But tell me, how much authority has been given to Jesus? All authority. All authority has been given to Him. Now look at this passage in Philippians. Therefore, God exalted him, he's talking about Jesus, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now what I'm wanting you to see and what I think Jesus was wanting his disciples to see is that the name of Jesus is the highest ranking name in heaven and on earth. There is no other name anywhere close to having the authority that Jesus' name has. And, and I want you to see that with that name comes great authority. It's a little bit like this. Picture yourself in the Roman Empire way back when Caesar Augustus was the emperor. And let's say that Caesar Augustus sent out his soldiers to go do something in a certain town. So they rush into the town and they start knocking on the door and they say, Open in the name of Caesar. Will they have to open that door? Yes, they will. Because by whose authority are they opening it? In Caesar's name. Caesar's the top dog. So his name carries the most authority, so they better open the door. That is why Jesus is telling his disciples, from now on, ask in my name. So, that's the background. That's where we get in his name. So what has Christianity done with it? Well, we've taken that little, pray, that little phrase and we've cut and parsed it in Jesus' name and we've learned to tack it on the end of each one of our prayers thinking that if we do, Jesus will answer our prayers because Jesus' name has all authority and that's what Jesus has asked us to do. So we're just doing what Jesus has asked us to do, right? Well, no, not really. What Jesus was saying in that whole conversation to his disciples was that from now on, we're to be operating in the name of the King 
of our kingdom. And that king is who? Jesus. We're to go forth in his authority and do what he's asking us to do. And when we encounter the forces of darkness and they start to oppose us, we remember that our king has all authority and that his name is the greatest name and we stand our ground claiming the authority of the king of our kingdom. Does that make sense? It's really that simple. But what we need to understand though is that Jesus is the king. And as the king of his kingdom, it's what he wants that goes. Remember, he is orchestrating his desired plans out in this world And guess who he's using to do so? Us. Remember, we're given all sorts of names. We're called his ambassadors. We're called his emissaries. We're called um, his fellow soldiers. So in a sense, we're his boots on the ground. Another word we're used is we are his body. So we're to be doing what the head is asking us to do. So if that's the case, we need to be doing what He wants us to be doing, not what we want to be doing. And I think that's where we run into our problems. I think so often when we pray, we're asking and we're petitioning and we're even demanding for what we want. And then we end the prayer by throwing out the formula, in Jesus' name, Amen. Now just so you know, amen means let it be so. So in Jesus' name, let it be so. And we may add some doozy endings in there. In the precious name of Jesus, let it be so. Or in the name above all names, you know, let it be so. Or amen. And we think that if we end the prayer like that, it gives it power and authority to make it come to pass. But I really don't think that's how it works. You know, for instance, I think what we've done with prayer is we've misused the name of Jesus. Let's say that John goes into the cafe. And he comes rolling in there. He's like, all right, guys, stop making coffee. Put away the treats. This is ridiculous. Stop it. And they say, why, John? Why why are you telling us to do this? I'm telling you to stop it because Luke has told me to stop, told you guys to stop it. I'm, this is Luke's thing, okay? In the name of Luke, stop making coffee. Now, not that my name carries anything around here, but let's say he does that. Okay? Now, let's say that I never told John to go in there and do that, but he's still using my name as the authority to shut it down. Is he right in doing that? No. But you know what? The crazy thing is, we do that in prayer all the time. We will come... And we will say all these things like, I want this and I want that. And then we attach the name of Jesus at the end of it. And that's not what Jesus was meaning by that. That's not how it works. Let me show you how it does work. And and I want to start off with by giving us a really cool definition for prayer. Prayer, in my opinion, is this. Prayer is working together with God to change the future. Prayer is working together with God to change the future. Now, I know that that definition kind of rattles some of you. Kind of like, what? That sounds really weird. But I love that definition because prayer really is that. But how do we do that? Here's how. Remember, prayer is a conversation with God. 
So in prayer, we come to our unseen Father, and rather than tell Him what we want, we come to Him, the King, and we ask Him what He wants. We should even come to Him and ask Him what He wants us to pray for in a certain situation. Because when we hear what He wants us to pray for, it is then that we can ask for something in His name because we know He wants it. And when we know what He wants, we then can join with Him in seeing it come to pass. Does that make sense? Let me explain kind of a scenario if I could. Let's say that at your work office, your workplace, there's some person there, some guy who absolutely hates you. He just despises you. He wants you fired from your job. And he's an atheist and he hates Christians, but he especially despises you. So he is out to get rid of you. He's making all these stories, all these lies about you. And you have to work with this coworker. Now, in that certain situation, typically we will approach God in prayer and ask for two things. First thing might be, Lord, get rid of this person. Okay? Please, I cannot work here. He needs to go. Or we will pray what? God, help me find another job. Okay? Those are two things. We, do, we want out of that situation. But praying a prayer in faith and coming to the king of our kingdom and, and, and approaching him doing what he wants means that we have to do this. We have to come to God and say, God, you know the situation I'm in. And so I'm going to ask you, what is it that you're trying to accomplish? What do you want done in this situation? Now let's say that you take time and you listen. And he says, I want to use you to reach that person for Christ. Because that person is then in turn going to be used to reach thousands for Christ. But I need you to do this first job. And by doing that, suddenly you've been given the mission. The mission has been laid out for you. Okay, this is my job. This is what God is asking me to do. So once you know the mission, then you can sit back and you can ask your commander, you can ask the king, what are my directives? How do you want me to go about doing this? And let's say the guy is doing all this thing to try to get you fired. Say, God, how do I pray about this? What do you want me to ask? And he say, pray that the boss may show favor on you. So no matter what he says, the boss is going to show favor. So I can pray, God, grant me favor in the eyes of, of, of my boss. May he see me in a completely different light. And I know that I'm asking what God has asked me to ask for. So I can ask it in his name. And, and God may say, now, what I want you to do here is this guy who hates you, he's sick. Send him a get well card. I want you to bless him when he curses you. I want you to buy him lunch today. I want you to do this. I want you to do that. And you're constantly walking in step with your father going, what do I do? What do I say? What do I do? What do I say? And the next thing you're going to find out is that you're walking in constant communion with your father, asking him what to say and how to say it and what to do and how to do it. Who does that sound like? Sounds like Jesus. That's what Jesus did. He says, whatever I say, the father has told me to say it. Whatever I do, the Father has told me to do it. And guys, the only way we could do this is to be in constant prayer with our King. And that is exactly how we're to be living our lives in prayer. That's how we pray by faith. 
Remember, guys, we're talking with our unseen God who we believe is all around us and He's at work. And because we believe that, we join with Him in conversation, asking Him what our mission is, what our directives are, and what He's doing. And if we need encouragement, we ask for it in the name of Jesus. If we need provision, we ask for it in the name of Jesus. If we need mountains to be moved, we ask for it in the name of Jesus. If we need power, we ask for it in the name of Jesus because we know that what we're asking for is what He wants. And we live constantly aware that He is our authority. And we operate in His name. He's our constant source in our everyday lives even though we can't see Him. And that's a living a life of faith. And guys, I can't tell you how much prayer is an integral part of a life of faith. That's how it ties in. And so, Whitestone, we must become men and women of prayer. Amen? We must. Here's our homework for this week. And if you don't like the word homework, here's some things you need to do this week. I don't know how you want to word it. I've had some people say, I don't know if homework, I don't like the word homework. Work at home. Schoolwork. I don't know what to say. I'm not a wordsmith. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to pick a certain situation you're facing in your life. And I'll preferably let it be a small one, not a big thing, because this is, you're, you're practicing. So don't pick this big honking doozy and try to start there. Start small. And rather than figure it out yourself, which is what we typically do, or run to somebody else, which is what we typically do, take time this week to meet with your unseen Father and ask Him what you should do. Ask Him, what is your mission in this situation? And once He shows you the mission, ask Him, what are your directives in this mission? What do you want me to do? And then go forth in Jesus' name and do what He tells you to do and say what He tells you to say. And this is going to take practice. And this may take weeks to see it come to fruition. And it's going to take training to be constantly aware of His presence. But that's why we practice. And that's why we train. So that we can do this effectively. Just like Jesus taught His disciples. Amen? Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank You so much for the privilege that we have to talk to You. Even though we can't see You, we know You're here, and we get to talk to You, and we get to ask You things, and you, we know You'll speak to us. And God, we're Your body. We're Your hands and feet, and so we want to do what You want us to do. So teach us. Train us how to do that well. God, I pray for every person in this room, boy or girl, man or woman, may we all become men and women of prayer. And may we live out a life of faith. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Let it be so. I want to say amen, but amen. <laughs> but that's not, see you later, God, goodbye. Okay, that, we keep going. All right, guys, I love you so much. Have an awesome, awesome week. Really practice these things we're talking about.